Warning, this podcast may contain bad language and content that some listeners may fail to remember after certain amounts of hits to the head. Are you doing a bit there or were you genuinely thinking on your feet? Yeah, and you said it really slowly. That's like, what I mean. Uh, mm. Originally, okay, it's going to sound bad now, isn't it? No, no, originally I was, I just didn't think about what I was going to say before I did it. That's all right, I'll let it out the gap. Welcome to Seesaw Podcast. With your hosts, T, Cleves and Selena. Every week, bringing some much-needed balance and humour to brighten up what can sometimes be a dark disabled world. Hello everyone and welcome back to Seesaw, your home for disability, other stuff. Um, entertainment. Movies, entertainment. Um, Diversity. Pajamas. Oh, you went straight in. We've got big news on the pajama front. And by we, I mean Celine. No. <laughs> you are stumbling today. Yeah. I went for the rhyme and it didn't really pay off. No. no. So, at the risk of throwing Selena into admin again, how are you, Selena? I'm fine. And, well, spoiler alert, I do have new pajamas. Pajamas, pajamas, pajamas all day. Pajamas, pajamas, pajamas all day. So, what I'm wearing. What we're going for? Oh, what I'm wearing? has got the best of you, clearly. I can't even, I can't even see. They better be I'm... Disney related. I swear to God. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> I've got sleepy pajamas on, and I believe they say I'm 100% sleepy, which I do feel a bit. What's sleepy? Sleepy off of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh right, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, fine. Do you, as if you ever found right that someone's told you that they are a certain way, but it turns out they're nothing like what someone's told you? What, oh, if, they yeah. got, what if they've got dopey on them and like someone's just played a cruel joke on you? <laughs> this is true. I might be in my Aladdin pajamas or something, and I'm just telling you. I'm <laughs> Why don't you do this every week? Yeah. You don't even have to have new pajamas, you just make yeah. something up. <laughs> And hopefully it's not the, uh, I think there was an Italian ripoff of Snow White and it was called The Princess and the ve- the Seven Very Disappointed Little Boys. Is that a thing? <laughs> it's really? absolutely a thing. Uh, I don't, why do you know that? Uh, I watch a YouTube channel which goes into obscure knockoffs of like mainstream films and how they're absolutely botched on like a $100 budget. I don't think they'd have pyjama merch budgets then. Well, <laughs> how do you think they're getting the $100? Yeah, pre-release pajamas. Right, shall we jump into quick blind news? Well, how how are you? How, how am I? Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were disappointed. I didn't <laughs> ask you how you were. No, no. Okay. Cue the music. <laughs> no, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing bad today. Fucking shambles today. I have some QBN for us. <laughs> there is a blind woman in India who is detecting breast cancer early in women through doing her own examinations. Please tell me. Uh, do you know what? I'm not going to ask any more questions. No, no but a that, lot of questions. I've, I've not got a question, but that's kind of, she's not the first to do that because I read ages ago that blind women in Colombia are doing a similar thing. So there we go. Worldwide. Selena, have you got QBN? I do. Baby, baby. And because obviously our guest coming up, part two, um, is a sportsman, I have sporty quick bite news. 
So this summer is going to be the Women's Football World Cup. And FIFA have confirmed that there will be live audio description for the visually impaired. Nice. That's a win. Will there be a blind World Cup from FIFA for blind football? Um, there is a blind World Cup this year that's happening in Birmingham called the Ipsa Games, whereas the Women's World Blind Cup is in Australia and New Zealand. Double news, triple news almost. Why is one of them in two... Co- no, no, what? Stop asking questions. <laughs> I don't understand the, the concept of the thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that was QBN. So, before we jump into the second part with Gary the Smiler Turner, a quick reminder get your expo tickets now. As well as that, we have been nominated for a National Diversity Award. Whoop, whoop. So, there will also be a link for that in the show notes. Go there. Please vote for us. It is very much a. Uh, Popularity contest from what I've seen in previous years, but we want to be popular. Don't want to be the and you have People have to give a reason why they're voting for us in those awards, I've noticed. They they do. You can't use the words sick as fuck either. No. I've tried. And we have already had some votes, and they are really good. Do we get know. to see the votes? Yes, we do. How many oh. accounts have you created then, T? Oh, no. <laughs> none. Absolutely none. These are from legitimate voters. Phil Donna oh. voted for us. Uh, not yet, mm. but I can make an account for that. <laughs> so yes, please go to the National Diversity We're going to get kicked out of the awards before we started if the thing were being dodgy. Uh, we're not being dodgy. They they are literally all legitimate, and they have to be able to contact you to authenticate your legitimacy. They do spot checks, apparently. Nice. And I'd like to get there before I get kicked out. So, shall we jump in? to our second part interview with Gary the Smiler Turner about head injuries and concussions and what that can do to you later in life or in general. How much of this is widely known within the sporting community? Because previously within sort of, I want to say 2000 and earlier, I've never really even really heard of this. From that point onwards, you start to hear a little bit more of it. And now it's quite prevalent. There's a lot of talk about it. But Firstly, how much is it well-known within the sporting community, particularly combat sports? And secondly, what are the, what is it they're really doing about it? <laughs> it's a nightmare. So uh, you must have heard of Punch Drunk. You must have heard mm, of yeah. Dementia Pugilistica. We're nearly 100 years into knowing that getting twatted in the head is not doing us any favours yeah. um, and it has behavioural effects. And all the research is done since 1928 in Martland is it, just reinforced and increase how bad it is. We just learn how bad it actually is to get hit in the head. So boxing, let's face it, we've kind of always known it, but it's ignored. Mm. Suck it up, buttercup, you know, get on, crack on. Uh, yeah. I used to have Friday afternoon big boy sparring. It's big boys because uh, firstly it was uh, big boys because we were really big people. It was all super heavyweights. And small guys came in, but they they were big boys because they they could they could they could uh, join in with us lot. And we would if I didn't have a headache afterwards, I wasn't sparring hard enough. You know, we we really go mental on each other, which is crazy. We were lowering our health, but also lowering our performance because we lowering the control on our own bodies. So we're yeah. actually making ourselves worse as a result of that. It, it wasn't a good thing. So all of this is going on, and combat sports we've generally known about it, but ignored it. There's no informed consent in, in combat sports. The research is showing that we still don't know the, the, the extent of it. 
But then uh, we had the American football player that uh, ended up with CTE, thanks to Mike Webster, uh, thanks to Bennett Amalu. CTE had been found in other uh, people before, but it's the first time in American football. And it started something that became popularised, and it's in a, a great book uh, called The League of Denial, when literally the NFL denied the existence of CTE in, in football players and uh uh, Will Smith's film Concussion documents it spectacularly. It's a great film, full stop. And, yeah, really, really good. And it's, you know, we, we're talking uh, one heck of a lot of money that the NFL have settled on without it going to court. If it goes to court, it's going to be found against them, I think. Uh, and then the floodgates will really open. And the, the National Institute of Health in America has now recognized CTE as being caused by repetitive head impacts. The Concussion Legacy Foundation, uh, members Chris Nowinski, uh, Anne McKee, uh, Boston University, they've now shown that it's a dose-response effect. The more hits you get, the more likely you're going to get uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy uh, or encephalopathy if you're British. The rest of the neurodegenerative diseases almost ignored, and sport yeah. tends to focus on CTE. The lack of cognition, the cognitive ability, it tends to be ignored. The Professional Fighters Brain Health Study has been going on since 2013. What they've been doing is every year they've been brain scanning professional boxers and mixed martial artists and doing various tests. And they've just shown, even over the course of a year, the brains are shrinking. They're wow. atrophying from the repetitive head impacts. All of the markers are on a dose response. The more hits you get, the higher their frequency and the higher their magnitude, the greater the effects. And our brains are all the same. It, you know, just from one sport to another, it doesn't change things. So what's valid in, in combat sports is valid in things like rugby. But there's a duty of care that is now aware. And since 2012, for example, if a governing body or a stakeholder responsible for the sport where these head impacts are, are, are taking place, these so-called impact sports, if they got, haven't got appropriate protocols in place to manage it, so limit it, so to remove, to mitigate and then manage this, they're at risk of litigation now. And this is what's happening with things like rugby. It's all coming through. And sport's not responding. Mm. Sport has always responded and changed over time. Rules have always changed. And they've always changed to benefit the sport and the sponsors. They haven't changed to benefit the players. And they're still flapping around. Even rugby now, in face of this litigation, is flapping around with tackle heights and skull caps neither of which are going to have any impact uh, on, on, on the, the, the traumatic brain injury rates. And it's all to show, oh, we're doing something. We need more research. No, the research is in. Getting hit yeah. in the head it, it, it is a problem. They've got uh, they return to play. If you have a severe head impact enough to give rise to signs and symptoms, your brain has a metabolic depression for at least the, the, the first few days. and can last at least up to 30 days where your, your brain's not working as effectively as it was, and your brain is at increased risk of further damage and more catastrophic damage during that time. And they're still rolling players back onto the rugby field within, I think, it's either 9 or 12 days it's changed to now for professional rugby players. And they're putting players back at risk knowing this research. The reason they give is that they say that less people will um, come forward if they know they're going to be off for a month more people will come forward and voice that the symptoms that they've got, if it's it's only a few days, 
However, my argument against that is you still have a duty of care to the ones that <laughs> that actually voice that injury. You've got to manage the other issue separately. You'll find a way yeah. of making people voice it. But if someone, you know, you can't send someone who's known to be vulnerable back into play. That's a failure in duty of care again. And I can just see litigation going on and on and on. It's yeah. Sport is taking too long to respond. Last yeah. year, the, uh, uh, the the government did a uh, uh, an inquiry into concussion in sport, and they what was it two years ago? Sorry, they 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 did that, and they called for the HSE Health and Safety Executive to take control of it. They called for these policies, the rest of it. The government said yes, we're going to appoint this, do this, do the other, we're going to get it all through. And what have they done? Absolutely nothing at this point in time. So sport is being left to mark its own homework, as the report said. What's it like? That's professionally. What's it like at a grassroots level? If if you have a kid that you want to take to uh, boxing or rugby or something like that, contact sports, their their coach surely is not going to turn around and go, well, this is potentially what could happen to your kid 10 or 20 years down the line. And this is part of the problem, informed consent. There, there, there's a difference between brain damage by design, combat sports hitting each other in the head, it's what we do. There's a difference between uh, head and the Head in the football is by design. It's impact by design. Rugby, you've got the collision. The collision's by design, yet the head contact is more accidental, but a very high risk. So there's a difference between, difference between an absolute certainty and a risk. And I would say that in impact sports, there's an absolute certainty of that child getting traumatic brain injury if they persist with that style of impact. So I hate to say it, but the legal perspective is, the criminal legal perspective is, no child has the capacity or competence to consent to harm. So a kid may want to get hit in the head, may want to do that rugby tackle. However, the the criminal legal perspective is, they do not have the capacity and competence. They can't consent to harm. Yet also, no adult can consent on their behalf. So So who's responsible? If the dad or the mum, the parents, if they uh, allow the, the kid to participate, they're, they're failing in the duty of care criminally. Same with the stakeholder, the person facilitating that training session. Uh, and to bring it home, if you read any of the safeguarding, any of the um, child welfare legislation, uh, any of the NSPC uh, and the Child Protection Sport Unit subsection of that policy, they actually describe it as child abuse. The policy definition for it is child abuse, the same as emotional, uh, the same as neglect, the same as sexual. It's yeah. child abuse, which is which is an emotive topic, but it's their policy definition. It is literally what it is. Kids' brains, you can, you can wait until they're 18. When you're 18, you've got informed consent to harm. You can serve frontline in the army. You're deemed to have the capacity and the competence to do so. But under 18, which is a child, you, you can't, unfortunately. And all the way through development, the developmental brain is undergoing rapid changes at times. And a single impact can change that brain's development. Certain areas of the brain may not even come online because of that impact. Um, childhood uh, insults, as they're called. I say you bound up. I'm going to insult you. It's called insults to the brain. Um, yeah. So I'm talking traumatic insults. We can have biological, genetic insults as well, for example. It really can alter the entire development of a child's brain. 
which is why and if you get an impact at a period of rapid development, it can be incredibly deleterious for that child. So I'm, I'm, I love my combat sports, but unfortunately I can't ignore data. And the data is a child getting twatted in the head is really bad and I cannot condone it. In fact, once I learned that, I stopped head impact uh, for under 16 year olds instantly. Then I discovered that the legal definition is under 18, stopped it for under 18s. And then I realized that the over 18s didn't need to spar with head contact either. They're more beneficial ways of getting the results for competition. Um, so I stopped head contact sparring full stop, leave it for competition when they're over 18s. Sport and culture has got a lot to do to, to, to catch up with what we now know, unfortunately. I mean, this is like the, the million dollar question. Yeah. On, on this like of course you said how you've made your adaptations to, to your classes and how you train people i mean what would you suggest like if 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 you were given like gary turner you're now responsible to put any policy you want in place for all sort of sport what what would you recommend based on what you know now that's part of the research that i'm doing so that's right. It's a great question to ask. First thing I would, uh, for impact sports for under 18s, I would remove the impact element, uh, wait until they're 18 and then they can consent to it. And the first thing is that consent has to be informed. They have to be made aware of what they are doing. They need to understand the short, the acute, the subacute, the chronic and the late effects that will happen how it affect them, what is likely to happen on a dose response. They need to know the current state of the science and what they will end up uh, 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 potentially suffering from. They also need to, uh, I'd want uh, the culture to, ch to change in training, to limit, yeah. minimise and even remove head contacts where possible. In combat sports, there's a lot better ways of getting stimuli response that's required. And at the same time, uh, uh, I'd want appropriate medical uh, attention uh, a, a colleague of mine, a peer um, friend, Alex Channon, uh, and, and his guys from Brighton University have investigated the, the medical attendance at UK combat sports events. And it's horrendous, failing, unfortunately, in duty of care and putting people at risk. So I've been sure that uh, at all times there's impact, there's appropriate medical attention uh, in place. I'd make rule changes to various sports. For example, in combat sports, I wouldn't have any eight counts. The first sign of traumatic brain injury, which would include things like wobbly legs if you're hit, bam, fight's over, straight for medical attention. No recovery, because you may, re recovery from the wobbly legs isn't recovery from the injury. It's going to be unfolding over the next year. So at that point, stop it. So make changes to you know, preserve the sport, because I love my combat sports, but protect the the uh, the, the, the the players uh, to the best of our ability right now. But what but about it's, all it's, the it's... money and the sponsors in there? They're not going to get a 12-round fight. They might. They might, yeah. If you look at the UFC, which is uh, uh, still, I think, the, the fastest-growing spectator sport, they uh, – it's a company. It's mixed martial arts. is a sport. UFC, obviously, just one vehicle for it. Massive fan base. And there's no counts in that. And fights can be over incredibly quickly. Yeah. The moment the referee sees that person uh, starting to, to, to uh, suffer from uh, uh, the effects of traumatic brain injury or submit tapping out from a strangle uh, leg hold or other joint manipulation, the fight's over. Uh, but their fan base is going through the roof. So it can make it perhaps even more exciting. So how about making it more exciting and safer? Increase the revenue 
people are afraid of change, but yeah. they've always done change to benefit the sponsors and, and and what they perceive to be, you know, best for the uh, uh, sort of the viewers. Uh, time to privilege it for, for the health of participants, perhaps before 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 governments say no, we're not doing it anymore. 1994, <laughs> boxing only just survived a parliamentary vote um, uh, not to declare it illegal. They didn't declare it legal, but they didn't declare it illegal. Four votes. And that was after the Watson Eubank uh, uh, incidents. So what what do you think your secret is to why you haven't seemed to have experienced a lot of these symptoms from brain injuries? And, and knowing what you do now, would you still have done combat sport? Great questions. Um, now, firstly, I discovered last year uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm neurodiverse and ADHD, uh, something that we kind of known <laughs> most of my life. And my brain works incredibly quickly on various levels. Uh, and as my psychologist last year said, Gary, you appear to have the ability to, to, to find the connectivity amongst the complexity of things, which, which has obviously helped me well in my combat sports career because I take in so much data and can process it all at once. So it, one of the things that is protective of the effects uh, of traumatic brain injury it doesn't protect you from the injury itself, but the, the the experience of it is mildly protective, is a cognitive buffer. The more connections you've got in the brain, they find things like education, the more educated someone is, the more uh, resilient they are to the uh, uh, sort of the behavioural effects uh, of it. So it might be because of the connections in my brain. I just might have a, a stack of connections in my brain and, and where, uh, I don't know, eight of the of the ten have gone. I've still got the last two hanging on. But if you've only got eight, you're kind of like uh, uh, be a bit unfortunate at the moment. I don't know. Sport rewards genetic freaks. Sport is not a, a leaving playing. <laughs> Michael Phelps with his wingspan for the swimming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Usain Bolt with his uh, the greatest number recorded fast twitch fibers in the quadriceps. I'm genetically robust. I've got some strange quirks in my physiology and I've been incredibly resilient physically throughout my sporting career. So I, I, I might just be a genetic freak, but also there's the compared to what position. Mm. What would I be like if I hadn't had <laughs> all of these all of these issues? Maybe I, I wouldn't be a, you know, a, a, a therapist, an athlete, uh, now doing a, a PhD, uh, maybe I would have solved COVID and Brexit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What, 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 know. What's the comparison position? It's always to compare to what position. At what age am I going to start having the neurodegenerative diseases start? And compared to what? As I'm getting older. Do you think that's inevitable for you? It's inevitable for everyone. We start dementing from the moment we're born. So the brain's dementing from the moment we're born. As I said, we've got this, this damage, repair, repeat process in an ever-losing battle until we pop our mortal coils. So we're all undergoing this decay at the moment, and we're all going to have the effects of it. The last uh, four generations, we've doubled our lifespan. And this is one of the reasons why we're getting a greater uh, number of people are getting cancer and and getting diagnosed with the neurodegenerative diseases because we're living longer. We're living long enough to get them. So rats don't live that long. They don't suffer the way that we have. So a lot of the traumatic brain injury research into neurodegenerative diseases in rats hasn't had a human translation from the rat research. It's because rats don't live as long as we do. They're not getting the effects that, 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 that we are. So, yeah, I'm I'm worried about when it's going to kick in for me. And, you know, now, now I'm, what, 52 now. Uh, I'm thinking, heck, 
I am mortal. I've got to look after myself <laughs> a bit better. And to answer your last question, knowing what I know now, I would not have done combat sports. I wouldn't have started them. However, I cannot deny it. I love my combat sports. Um, and I wouldn't change what I've done. But if I had no more than I know now, I would not have my time again. But you're still happy to continue with them. Yeah. Um, but now I'm not having head impacts. I'm doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, ah, which okay. actually is, by way of head impacts, the safest one out of all combat sports. It is really hard to actually... To actually... Uh, 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 sorry, come on, Max. Max, come. That's a little guest little guest on the podcast. Uh, a little husky <laughs> called Max coming in there. Yeah, so with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, for example, it's joint manipulation. It's it's actually, you know, pretty damn safe when it comes to injuries, as long as you're not silly, and as long as you tap when your joints are being manipulated. You can feel them going, "Ah, tap before you get the injury. Let's not be a hero and hold off and get some tendon ligament damage. But So I'm I'm loving my combat sports with my participation now, but I'm not going to spar again. I might do body boxing, boxing to the body only, kicking to the legs and body, but I'm not going to have head impact again. I'm going to limit that. Uh, I've been there, seen it, bought the hat. There's my hat. Uh, you know, and, and now is you know, now's the time to, to actually enjoy what I'm doing without <laughs> without the damage. To, to be fair, 13 time world champion. I think you, you have pretty much seen all of that, Gary. It's not, I can't imagine there's much left on the bucket list on that side of things. Anyway, it's funny. It's um, I was listening to uh, Tyson Fury open up big time about his mental health on on another forum and uh on another on another podcast and it's addictive and it's not it's it's the vehicle that carries you there that we know combat sports are incredibly addictive uh there's a uh you know you you know the souls of your uh, uh the people that you're training with uh their strengths and weaknesses and you know you've you've i don't know it's we're kind of lost without them once you start them, it's kind of hard to, and, and you've done them for a time, it's very hard to leave them, which is why so many in combat sports continue to do it. Because we can, uh, up until the, the day that we can't, you know, well, the day we, we literally, we, pop, we cop it. Well, no, I think it's true for all sport. All sport is is addictive and it doesn't matter, you know, even from my own experience, how many injuries I get, I just still want to come back for more. I just can't stop sport. I just want to quickly touch on sports psychology because I know you've written a book. Unfortunately, it's not available in audio. I wish it was because I'd love to read it. No worries. Of um, course, sorry. Yeah. I was like, if you can get it in audio, that'd be great. And you I can narrate your own book, Gary. <laughs> yeah, please do. Because um, I do love reading kind of books like that. And I just want, on, on this podcast, we're big advocates of people reaching their full potential we don't always say it in the right way but that's what we're all about here people doing what they can and are able to do so what would you say your one tip is for people to to reach their goals and full potential disability or or non-disability yeah sure I would say something I teach most of my therapy clients be happy where you are right now because you're always going to be moving to be better so in other words, enjoy the journey, not the destination. And that falls in with a, a, a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why um, we don't get the reward for the achievement. We get the reward for the journey to the achievement. Uh, and that's why we, we, we're still doing the combat sports. I can't give them up. Yeah. And that's why you can't give up your sports because, because it's the journey. Always looking to constantly be better. 
and that's a, a the, the the better element is a metric that only we can apply uh it could be just turning up for training just to keep mobilized a few of us old guys at brazilian jiu-jitsu and we just love it because it's keeping us young you know if you don't use it you lose it age doesn't make you inactive inactivity makes you age so i, I would suggest for people is to to literally find what they love and enjoy it and be happy with where they are right now as they continually look to be better. Yeah, just look to smile. It's as simple as that. <laughs> you know, we're on this planet for two things, making babies and smiles. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the first I'll leave to you guys. Uh, uh, the second, <laughs> hey, just look, just look to smile. Enjoy the journey. Look to enjoy life. I, I, I guess, yeah, if, if I could say anything. Yeah. yeah. Be happy with where you are right now and look forward to being better. Yeah, I think that's awesome. That's a perfect sign off from uh, a man whose real name was the smiler is to to smile and enjoy things. Uh, Gary, I, I we won't take up any more more of your time. We, we're so grateful for having you on, and we could talk for hours on on all the great work you've been doing uh, within sort of like accessibility within sport, but as well as what you're doing with your PhD. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great. It's great. It's great to see you guys as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I've, I've, one little story that was really cool. I had a double garage convert to a five studio that I did my personal training with, and uh, you know we're getting Tony up to speed, and he was he was there, he was doing really good, and a really good Thai boxer came in uh, as a client after him, Martin. Uh, I went, Martin, Martin, you okay to warm up with some body box? Like, yeah, yeah, off you go, guys. And I got them going, punch, kicking, <laughs> and kneeing uh, into each other. Uh, uh, body boxing and martin's highly experienced so he can he can he can manage a, a, a relatively novice fighter and they, they did a couple of rounds i went okay martin what have you noticed and uh he said yeah he's well you know obviously he's novice but he really knows where i am he can he, he, he's got a, a great spatial awareness and you know he can find the target well he's gonna be really really good i'm like yeah but what have you noticed <laughs> he, he didn't notice anything about his vision and it just yeah. shows that you know it's we shouldn't limit people by what we expect. We, sh- we should limit them. Uh, we shouldn't limit people full stop. Absolutely. And, and nothing on Martin, but the smell was definitely a lead there. I think he'd, a little <laughs> bit of a, I think he'd run over so I, I could smell a little bit. A lot easier to track. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, oh, Gary, it's, it's so great to have you. Thank you. Lovely. Thanks Thank very you. much. Anything I can ever help with, give me a shout. Um, that was Gary the Smiler Turner. I liked him. He was cool. Yeah. Really nice guy. I think being hit in the head a lot, often by accident as a blind person, is something I'm well aware of. I just wasn't quite aware of how much damage it could potentially be doing to me. Yeah. I know, seriously, I did it today as well on the stairs. I somehow uh, went down to play with Riley Tug and then I stood up and wiped my head on the yeah. Yeah, staircase. So, ah, uh, there it goes. Another few memories. Yeah. All you got to do is like just be really educated and start learning stuff and create those extra connections. Absolutely. Speaking do of... Wordle. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of making connections, you can contact us at the links coming up very shortly. So until next time, it is goodbye from me and the other two who I don't trust to jump in and say goodbye. Thank you for listening to Seesaw Podcast. Your feedback and comments mean a lot to us, so if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in the following ways. 
you can find us on Twitter at SeesawPod, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at SeesawPodcast. And you can also join us at SeesawPodcast.com. Remember to like, rate, review and share with a friend. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience.